welcome. We are known as the Tube. The three of us, myself, Taylor, Nicholas, and Tom, are the Tube. We bring you fresh reviews and hot takes every week. This week we're reviewing The Last of Us, a game-turned-TV show adaptation that's taking the world by storm. So far we've seen two episodes, and both are up to par, but are they better than Breaking Bad? The first episode, Unsidered, actually rated two points higher on IMDb, 0.2 points. What do you guys think? Better, worse, early impressions? I mean, I don't think it's fair to base a show that's had, had one episode at the time better than, what, six seasons of what was considered the best... I think even seven. Seven seasons of the best TV ever? No, I, I don't think that's right. I think that's just... It's like when those Marvel movies come out, and, you know, and you're on Rotten Tomatoes, and you're looking around like, oh, is this going to be good? And you see this movie's got 100%, and then, like, people actually start going and watching the movie. That rating just tanks. I don't think that's going to happen here, but just as a comparison. So, yeah. no, I don't I don't think it should be higher than Breaking Bad. The early, the early opinion is it's too early. I would agree, uh, just because Breaking Bad, like, seven, like you said, seven, six or seven ep- seasons, probably the best show I've ever watched, other than actually Game of Thrones, uh, which we'll get into because it's also an HBO Max original. Uh, well, that's a hot take. That I is don't a think hot take. Game of Thrones is better than Breaking Bad, especially with that last season. I'm just saying it's up there. Okay. okay. Well, we, we can say, but we can debate that all day. But... <laughs> well, we've got all day. We, oh, yeah, we have all day. I think Breaking Bad, personally, it's probably my favorite show of all time. The writing always felt fresh. You were always engaged. It encapsulated such amazing atmosphere. And The Last of Us definitely has gravitas. I feel it with each episode. It's a dark and gloomy world. And there's these people who are just trying to get by. You have Joel with his um, afflictions, his loss, just trying to find his place in the world and just eking by to survive. Yeah, but I think the one thing that like Breaking Bad didn't have that this show does have is like predictability. Uh, like Breaking Bad was so good because I don't, I feel like it was an it was like an original show. So, like, we didn't know what was going to happen, and the writers were good. Where this we show never is... knew what Heisenberg was going to do next. Exactly, exactly. And this show is highly predictable. Not even, even, I didn't even play the video games, and I find it highly predictable. I, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I wouldn't say it's highly predictable. I mean, for somebody that was just going into this, I think the twists of it, and I played the games, and I think the twists of it were what pulled me into it the game at least and the you know there are scenes in the show that i don't believe you could see coming uh if we weren't so used to the twists like now everything's taken with such a cynical eye but if you were like Mm. just looking at this as a regular viewer i don't you know i watched the first episode twice once by myself and once with my parents and my parents didn't see a lot of what was happening coming you know they saw the infection coming but it's hard to play as somebody who's also played the games. I enjoyed the games a lot. I'm just going to say it. I liked them more than the show, but that's simply because you were engaged on a different level. You actually got to be a part of it. You actually got to sneak by the clicker and really feel that tension, which 
I do think they did well in the show, but it was more exciting in the game where you feel that thrill of, oh, I can't believe I got by this section without being bit. I think so that's th true for a lot of parts, too. Like, the end of the first episode, the whole scene with Robert, I thought was done better in the game than it was. It felt very... There were parts of the first episode that felt very ham-fisted, including acting, including scene selection, how things happened. It just didn't feel natural to me. They, they felt like they needed to get in certain plot points that were in the game, all right. the cutscenes. Well, I feel like that, I mean, I didn't play the video game, but that probably scene or, like, mission with Robert is probably, like, the hooking mission of the game, where they give you all the background and, like, thematics of the pandemic hitting in the show so they don't have to have a hooking you know mission as the game would no the game opens up with the whole scene with sarah and i don't know if yeah. we want to get into that now but that's how the game starts well we might as well just dive into it yeah. I, okay it starts with an emotionally impactful moment for those of you who haven't seen the show yet spoiler warning but joel's daughter actually gets killed at the end of the first episode by a soldier as he's surrendering, the soldier receives an order to uh, supposedly take him down to prevent the spread of the infection. And this is right during the initial outbreak. It's a really intense moment, and I thought it was pretty upsetting. I definitely shed tears. I thought it was more upsetting in the game. Um, to be fair, though, on second watch, when I watched it again with my parents and I kind of separated myself from the game and what I was expecting. I did think it was, I think I did think it, I didn't shed tears, but I did think it was very well done. Um, I mean, I could see why playing the game, you'd already have an expectation of what's coming, what's going to happen. And then any divergence from that, it's going to be a little bit jarring. I kind I'm, of consider it and Tom, I'll, I'll let you get this, but I was thinking about this a little bit and uh, we had talked with one of our other friends about this. What people love about anime is how closely it can depict the manga, right? Like, people like watching something that they've read come to life. It's like the same thing with reading a book and translating it to screen. And I think that's why Game of Thrones struggled so much when it went away from the source material. I think the closer you can get to the original source, the better something is. Because it's kind of, like, cool just to see it on the screen. It doesn't need to be... I think directors nowadays take too many creative liberties, and sometimes they work, and I think they worked very well in the second episode, but sometimes they don't. And I don't think there's anything wrong with just copying the source material. I don't know. I, I feel like directors do what we do when we read books. Like The reason people like books more than they like movies is because when they're reading it, they build... They like, they like universal build the book in their own mind, and then they fill in the plot points of what they think the world is like with their own perspective and imagination so when directors take that and i guess you would call it creative like uh expression but that's basically what we do when we read the books they're just doing it and from their own perspective with whatever budget they have right but sometimes they like take that and they run with it too far they take that creative freedom and they're like no i don't like this scene at all i'm gonna actually delete this scene and rewrite it entirely because i think it works better I mean, if you think about it, that's what happened with The Shining, Stephen King's book, and then you had the movie. Stephen King admittedly ended up hating the remake of The Shining. But exactly. But Kubrick 
I love Kubrick. I thought it was a great movie. I did too. Especially so, that soundtrack in the beginning. Dawn. Probably was a bad example. But <laughs> <laughs> Awful example. Yeah. But, I mean, it's good if you're trying to point out that it creates controversy. and Not everybody's going to agree when you're dealing with something that's based on a beloved source. But don't we don't we all do that? Like when you were playing the game, Nick, was there any like was there a mission that you were like, I don't like this mission, or like a plot point in the story where you've been like, I would have done this differently. And being a director, you you have the uh, like opportunity to do such a thing, so you want to take that opportunity yourself. I mean, I think I would have done that for the second game. I hated the second game. <laughs> I definitely would have done about that. things <laughs> a lot differently. But I thought for the first game. The first game, what I loved about it was the story. I thought the story was great, and I didn't really have any complaints with the pacing or how it was written. Again, though, you do have the factor in the part where you're actually in control of Joel, and you're playing him, and you're doing his movements, so there isn't any downtime. And key detail that's a little bit um, experience immersion breaking. When you play a game, you kill thousands of people. Mm-hmm. this is <laughs> I true don't, i don't think he'd be a very sympathetic character if that happened <laughs> i mean i think that they're already painting him as not the most sympathetic character even no, though not. i mean that's why they even with a global pandemic in a dystopian society they add the, the added background of him having a tragic background with his daughter dying at the beginning of it which a lot of people like probably lost loved ones on exactly well even then you do see parts of him not being sympathetic when like they're driving by the family with the baby and they're like oh they have a kid and he tells his brother not to stop because they also have a kid and it's like what would you do in that situation and that's really what the game is all about i think it's just making you think what would you do in this situation and it's really posing a larger question what do you value do you value your humanity or do you value the lives of those close to you What's important? And I, I think mean, for Joel, survival. that has become... He's become hyper-focused on this small sphere of existence because he's been isolated from the world for so long. I mean, I feel like that's just the, the age-old question, like fight or flight, you know, kind of like, do you value survival versus staying to help others? Uh, but, you know, staying to help others will put you at risk i think there was a moment where um tess sees tess yes she sees a moment of goodness in joel when he's mending her sprained ankle and you see her crack this slight smile the camera zooms up to her face and she took note of it and i was like she still sees some good in him and she's hoping that he'll use that to help this woman or this girl find the fireflies Maybe that's looking too far into it, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I've, that's the whole the whole plot point with Tess is another thing I I found very predictable because when I was watching the episode with my friend, I was just like, how long? Well, I was like, will this character live till episode five? And then as soon as I said that, we discovered <laughs> she was bit. like not even thirty seconds later, we discovered I mean, she was bit, and I was like, okay, not even episode three then. Just as it happened in the games. I think it would have been a little stronger to have maybe kept her around a little. She was well acted, an important and interesting character. And in the games, she actually is around a lot longer because the gameplay up to that point is probably like four or five hours. Well, yeah. And I think the reason of that, and that's kind of where I didn't like the Robert part, but 
when you first compared to the game, right? So if we're doing a comparison, in the show, Robert's just some guy kicking the shit out of Tess, and then you have Tess going back to Joel and being like literally the same day or a few days later after she gets arrested by Fedra and saying like, oh, we can't go after Robert, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they're just like trying to hunt down their car battery. In the game, it was they were smuggling guns and Robert stole the guns and then went underground and was trying to kill Tess. And that's how she gets jumped. And then Tess gets a hint on where Robert's hiding. And you and Tess go, and Joel and Tess, uh, go in and they wipe out Robert's men and they fight their way into where Robert is. And then Robert's like pleading for his life, like, no, don't kill me. Um, and then uh, Tess just kills him. And it's like a really brutal scene, but it kind of shows who the people are that who are we're dealing, dealing with? with. Who's Joel? Who's Tess? They're brutal. They're savages. And they did convey that to some extent in the show. But this is where I would say the source material did it better. And I would say, like, if we were able to witness, like, them, and I get it's unrealistic because, obviously, two people... Yeah, that was that was about to be my argument. I feel like the show would have had a more realistic thing when you're in a QZ in a militant zone. You can't just have a secondary war. <laughs> right. But if there was a way that they could have had it that, you know, you have Robert still steal the guns, and maybe it's not all blatant bloodshed the way it was in the game, but you have them sneak into where Robert was, where, you know, and you can, say, brutalize a couple of people, and then you end up getting to where Robert is, and you still have that scene, because that scene leads into Marlene being introduced, and it kind of did in the show, you know, Robert's death leads into Marlene being introduced, but in the game, it was like Marlene came and was like, why did you kill this guy? He he was very important to me and now I need your help in order to help get Ellie out of the QZ. So there was a bit more of an incentive for him to help because he felt guilt over this person that he killed. That was, I guess, close to this other person. It's been a long time since I played the game. I wouldn't say it was incentive, uh, but you know, they weren't opposed. They wanted to get their guns back. That was the whole point. And so they were, Marlene's like, if you help me with this, I will give you your guns back. And the other thing that the show does that's different from the game, there is no car. We don't know that Tommy's even alive in the game. And Joel in the show is looking for his brother. He lost radio contact with his brother in Wyoming. We didn't even know his brother was in Wyoming. That didn't happen until much later in the game. So they kind of changed around Joel's original objective from retrieving weapons to I need to make sure my brother's okay. Yeah, he hasn't really mentioned the brother much, though, in episode two. No. I mean, it's still about finding the battery, but all of a sudden now it's changed to getting the girl to um, the West Coast. Which right. Is, it felt very forced. It didn't feel natural. It's like, why are you doing this? Even though they did like really kind of express how he'd feel like a protective sensibility and how maybe she's the cure, he seemed skeptical of it the entire time. Was it Tess that actually pushed him to make the decision? I think I mean, it I was. Feel, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's why they needed a whole like uh, savior, you know, scene of, of Tess saying, "I'm gonna like sacrifice myself for you. You just need to finish the mission here," uh, and that's what pushed him over. Well, again, it's not even finished the mission, though. Like, he's just 
bringing her to Frank, at least right now. I, I, I mean, those of us that have played the game know how this ends, but, you know, at this point, it's bring him to fa- Frank, and Frank will help her get the rest of the way. And that was what that argument was at the end, where they were like, he was like, oh, no, Frank's not going to do this. And I'm actually really excited to see Nick Offerman play Frank. I think that'll be very interesting. Uh, that's going to be the guy from, um, what is it, community service or? Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Thank you. <laughs> I need to learn my shows. Yeah, especially if you're going to be on the tube. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. But that's what this is all about, folks. It's At about least you didn't say Left for Dead. <laughs> I was tempted to at the beginning of this episode. But I didn't, and that's what counts. There we go. Uh, one of us had a script, and one of us didn't. <laughs> well, the script helps. I'm just Definitely does. It at that. <laughs> Next time, you should maybe try writing one. It takes about 10 seconds. <laughs> Or ask ChatGPT, your buddy, to do Wow, it. okay. <laughs> I had to, like, uh, like my friend had to explain to me, he, he played the games, uh, how difficult the clickers were. Because to me, they did, they looked, like, pretty casual. Uh, not, like, tanks, you know, what you would, what they seem to be, like, almost tanks. Well, yeah, how... they would absorb, like, a whole clip of ammunition yeah. in the game. And in the show, it looks like, yeah, they definitely take a punch, but not nearly as much. Uh, I thought the show did a good job of, I thought, in my opinion, depicting how difficult they were to curl. No, yeah, I think they did a good job of it, because, like, when I saw them, uh, like, the first time you see them in the show, I was like, alright, these guys are pretty still scrawny, zombie-ish type of monsters. It should only take, you know, two or three hits, but I think they did a good job of making them harder to kill. Well, if you're not familiar with the game, then obviously the show did its job. Yeah, I was nitpicking because in the game I remember swinging away at those things all day, and if they got anywhere near you, it was an insta kill. It was an insta kill, yes. When uh, Joel got tackled in the um, museum, and just as a disclaimer to the honest, this is the second episode. We've been kind of jumping around between both, but when Joel got tackled in the museum, he definitely would have been dead there in the game. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> And they did get Tess, technically, so... They did get Tess. They did uh, get Tess. Though, and they, the... they also got Ellie, uh, which I kind of predicted. I was like, why don't we just let her be a meat shield if she can take just absorb bites? Uh, and if she does die, all you need is her blood to find whatever cure this is. Just make sure to pour it out into a jar or something. But it's <laughs> much, much easier than making sure she stays alive. <laughs> I just don't understand why they don't start injecting people with bleach. That would yeah. cure it. Bleach always kills black mold. <laughs> Oh right? Oh. Right. And there goes half the audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they weren't listening anyway. Jeez. Um, Why don't they just add uh, trackers to the injection? <laughs> yeah. We are getting way off course here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, as someone that didn't play the games, though, what would you uh, what would you give this show? Like, what? Are, what are um, you... I'd give it like uh, a seven point two, uh, just because I think it is uh, it got some depth to it. It's got some action. Um, 
and the, even when it's like down off the action, it does have good storytelling so far. Uh, it's probably lower on the spectrum where people keep rating it. To me, it's because I do find it predictable. Like, I feel like the only reason they're releasing the show now is because The Walking Dead's winding down in its last season, and they're gonna take over the top zombie show on the uh, TV. I don't really agree with that at all. I really disagree with that. Um, well, let's just talk quickly about your accusation of predictability. What did uh, what gave away the fact that his daughter was gonna die? Because they need tra- like a tragedy. There's always gonna be tragedy in the beginning of each show, uh, and then there's what it's a single father and it's him. So uh, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't gonna be the. Uh, the jailbird brother that wasn't going to get the sympathy vote from viewers, so it was going to be the daughter, 100%. How long in did it take you to predict it? Um, when I saw that she was fixing his watch for his birthday, that's all it took. You're like, oh, this this girl's dead. Yeah, she's dead, and I was like, and then he's, and I even said, I was like, I haven't played the game, but he's going to wear the watch the rest of the season, and my friend told me that's, yeah, he wears it the whole time. It's almost like when you're playing like in the past. yeah like i think gears of war had a similar plot device where he had like a picture of his wife i think it's interesting well, i when i played the game i didn't pick up on the daughter getting the killed uh, or getting him the watch i didn't see that coming out <laughs> specifically <laughs> well no i just mean this the symbolic significance of it no no i'm just kidding <laughs> I mean, even if you didn't predict it that early, as like I predicted it with the watch scene, when when the girls like immediately turns on the TV and it says "stay inside" and then she walks immediately outside, that I mean, was something that's starting to say something. I actually really didn't like, um, and I kind of wish they kept Sarah's arc the way it was in the game. I liked her waking up in the middle of the night, walking through the house and finding it empty. And there was a cool little moment where you could interact with the television in her dad's bedroom. And you see this newscaster in front of a hospital. And she's sitting there and she's reporting. And all of a sudden these zombies run out of the hospital and they like attack her. And then the camera cuts and it goes. And then if you look out the window, like not even two seconds later, you'll see a giant explosion. And that's supposed to symbolize the hospital blowing up. And I thought that was really well done. That does sound much better. Uh realistically than a dog barking at the window right and she ends up proceeding through the house like looking around for her dad there's a bunch of missed calls um and you go over to her dad's office and you're hearing the dog bark bark and then all of a sudden it starts whining and then just goes silent and you go to the dad's office and then a zombie smashes through uh oh no then the dad joel comes into the house and then a zombie smashes through the window and joel shoots the zombie and then grabs her and, like, runs out of the house. And I just thought it was a much better done. It's like we said earlier, though. It's hard to match the intensity of actually playing something yourself. True. But I know. I've yeah. seen it done in movies. Like, I, for some reason, I'm getting flashbacks to the one take from uh, True Detective where Matthew McConaughey is going through the hood after that drug deal gone wrong. Great scene. Amazing. Like, if they did something like that, I feel like they probably could have captured some of that magic that you had in the game where you're just like scared shitless trying to figure out what the fuck's going on, but they still did it. 
they still did. I mean, how awesome was that when that Boeing 747 was coming down on the town? Everybody's running in panic. You know, they still had the highways all backed up. They got a lot of it. I did like that scene, but that's like, and I, I think that's so good because it was a, like a point of view scene from the point of view of Sarah, because she's in the back and watching this all happen and panicking, and you can see it just from like a perspective through her eyes, which is basically how you're seeing it in a first-person video game. And that's yeah. it, that's really what the game did. You were able to even in the car, you still played as Sarah, and you were able to look out the windows and see what was going on. You drove by the burning barn and the family that was on the game and you didn't switch over to playing as joel until after the truck crashed which i thought was very cool um i i did enjoy that specific scene i actually also liked the backstory of sarah Moore, being able to see her go into school and noticing some of her students or her friends twitching and then going into the uh, clock store to get the watch fixed and i liked all of that were were kids twitching and i i wasn't paying attention at that point where that's kind of cool i didn't pick up on that That probably because i was eating while i was watching (laughs) (laughs) they didn't take their adderall for the day (laughs) (laughs) that's why the fungus We're not diagnosing enough, Taylor. (laughs) We need stronger. Um, Oh, speaking of which, though, I really like the doctor in the beginning. I like that the the old mummy uh, actor. Yeah, yeah. The Spartacus dude. I love that guy. Yes. Spartacus also. Oh, John Hanna. That's right. Playing Dr. Newman. You know, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, what's very interesting is at the start of last week's episode, they had John Hanna on talking about the doctor and the cordyceps. If they take over you, there's no vaccine, no cord. And it's the same way they started off this week's episode with the doctors in Indonesia talking about Dang. how there's no cure. Yeah. Ibu yeah. Ratna was that doctor's name. Right. It's almost like they want us to believe that the cure is bullshit and that it's not possible anyway. That's the only thing I didn't like about that scene. I thought that was a very... A serious scene and i think they articulated it well with the whole audience going from joking around to being like in de- like taking that information and seeing how like that could be very terrible if that situation were to occur but then they end it with saying there is no vaccine if that happens yeah uh, and he, they didn't explain why there'd be no vaccine he just said there's no medicine there's no there's vaccine no there's yeah. nothing we can do i wonder yeah. if that's yeah. true like you can't the science see... stop there right well I remember when I got Tinea Versicolor, my dermatologist could have actually prescribed me something, but he said it would destroy my liver. So he actually said to just rub some salsa and blue on me, and that worked. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so just re- I think, yeah, there are treatments. Rub some salsa and blue on people. If you have a brain infection, I mean, I watched House. Apparently, there are treatments for brain infections, uh, and that's why like they tell you not to sleep bleach. on moldy mattresses because you can get basically brain like infections from like uh sleeping on multi mattresses but i i know it's harder to fix because it's just your mind but there are treatments hmm. that's house though that's house i don't know how much i trust that show i mean i feel like they do do i mean the whole thing i take away from house is if the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you they immediately go to ms but <laughs> other than that <laughs> 
it definitely creates some poor expectations for uh, self-diagnosis. I know. Just, I don't need to go to the hospital. We just got WebMD these days. Yeah. You take WebMD, you go to chat what GPT, and then you're good. That's all you need. Maybe. You're or basically a doctor. You just have chat GPT, right? You like a prescription? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the prescription. Can you write on a, on a notepad? Yeah. A notepad's chicken scratch or some uh, ibuprofen? But overall, I've, I feel like they've done a, a pretty decent job of explaining the pandemic and going into the game while taking is... creative liberties. I, I, you know, I think it's not... I don't know if it's worthy of a 9.4 yet. I'd say like... I, no, it's definitely not in the... The in timing. The the oh, timing, I think, sorry guys, but the timing, I think, is why it's getting this, these rave reviews. Like, I, like I said, I gave it a 7 point, what I say, 2 or 3, whatever it was. But I think it's the timing that's going to give it the highest reviews. Not because of just the show, but the We've timing. It's got a bit of a lull. It's there got, hasn't been a lot of cool stuff lately. No, well, yeah, but we're also coming off of pandemics. So people will be interested in a show that pertains to a pandemic. I you don't know, know man. I don't think anybody wants to hear anything about a pandemic anymore. I think most of us are done with it. Yeah, and I also uh, don't agree with your Walking Dead take either, because I think it's. Oh my god! It's, I don't think people still watch that show. <laughs> I mean, it's got the uh, die-hard fans. It does. Like, I, even though I haven't watched like the newest seasons, and I understand where you're coming from, I it does have die-hard fans, and I think they will try to piggyback the ending of that hard like hardcore fan situation and try to get them to come to their show since it's ending this season i could be wrong it but could there, be not ending at all but i think it is well supposedly it is but also can't they spin off uh i, I think they've got like several spin-offs in the works right now i mean they i mean they do have like several spin-offs but i mean those spin-offs aren't getting as much budget as the last of us is getting or as much as the Walking Dead itself got. Yeah. Well, that show went down the drain for me when uh, Negan got captured. Yeah, mm. that's what it is. They're making a spinoff with Negan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Has he become, like, the hero now or something? I stopped after that, too. He does, like, I think, uh, get better. Like, he, like, spends time in jail and it becomes human again. Maggie doesn't want to kill him anymore? Uh, I think she always <laughs> wants to kill him. <laughs> I thought that's the, wasn't she in the spinoff? It's, like, Negan, Negan and Maggie or something? I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I haven't seen the last two, probably season and a half to two seasons. Team Nagy. Yeah. Nagy. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure someone, <laughs> if you witness someone beat your husband's skull in yeah, with a baseball bat, you'd always you. want that person dead. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's a little bit ridiculous, but who knows? They're living in some kind of warped, fucked up future dystopia, so. Well, we haven't really gotten to see that level of brutality in The Last of Us. And I, I wonder if going forward, you know, when we start hitting different groups, how, how far are they going to take it? Especially if they get the game, too. But that's way for the future. Yeah. But they already well, started, no. they, they started laying the foundation for it. They say there's slavers out there. There's, I don't know if they said, uh, oh. like... Yeah, yeah, if they mention slavers, then it's going to get gritty. Yeah, yeah the radio guy said sla like slavers towards the Wyoming, where apparently Tommy is. Yeah, I mean, I think and I think they're going at a good pace. They'll probably be able to get 12 episodes out. And they might not even go through the entire game, which I think's 
a possibility. Maybe they, uh, maybe they only get to halfway and then they call it a season and do the second half for season two. Could be. That's all. I mean, that's, I think the hardest part about doing a show for games or a movie for games. Well, I guess a movie it's easier because you have, um, you have like one movie usually to get it all in, which is usually the biggest. That is totally criticism. Totally. And uncharted is Uncharted was the worst video game movie I've ever seen. That was, yeah, that was bad. another game I haven't played. I don't but know about the worst. It and I really find it funny movie. that you say that because I know how much you <laughs> love Uncharted. But <laughs> them putting that baby face in is Nathan Drake. That is so bad. That, that was ridiculous. <laughs> and, and Mark Wahlberg is Sully. They just like, had their real guy do it. The voice actor they had on the beach. Yeah. Even with his fat body, it would have been better. Well, there was, like, um, you could make him fat. There was a cheat yeah. code where you could make him fat. You could just have Fat there Drake playing. Just Fat Drake running an absolute marathon for the desert. I, I hated that movie. I, I could not stand that movie. What did you rate it as? Ooh. <laughs> maybe a three. Like, oh, wow. Maybe a three. But, dude, what about the scene where they tie balloons to the ships and fly them out of the cave? Come on. <laughs> Uh, that you was genius, get... yeah, like, because yeah, like, that totally happened in the game, too. Hey, that was what was upsetting, and I, it's what I hope, actually, like, to tie this into The Last of Us is what I hope I, I don't see with The Last of Us. And that's what you get when a director takes too much creative freedom. He's like, I have this great setting, and I want to just inject all of my ideas into this. And I'm going to butcher it, because... I'm going to use this IPO as a vessel. But, like, why do people go and watch a movie based on something they've already seen or read? Like, why do you go watch a movie based on a show you watched? It's because you want to see it just in a different format. I don't really think people love seeing creative liberties taken um, with something that they actually care about. I mean, if if Harry Potter took a bunch of creative liberties and didn't follow the big deaths of the the books or didn't follow the setup of the books... I think there would have been an uproar. People would have been so mad. Hmm. Yeah, that would have pissed people off. I guess sure. that's true. I can't think of a very... I mean, I read all the books and watched all the movies, and I can't think of like a huge plot point that was changed from the movies, from the books. And why? Like, But that's just... That's what makes, I think, a good version of that. If the source is good and people like the source, don't change it and alter it because you want to take creative freedoms. And I, I'm hoping, and I think that was why I liked the second episode of The Last of Us so much, was because there wasn't really a lot of creative liberties taken with it. It stuck very closely to the way the game played out. And I, I don't see why you would change something if the source itself is good. I think some liberties need to be taken, especially when the game is like 90% action. And I'm glad they're taking it because I don't want to sit there and watch somebody just fight zombies. No. Yeah, that's That's 100% true, and I agree with that. And, you know, they're even leaving parts of the game in where, like, Ellie and Joel have, like, minor conversations to the side. And I like them doing that, you know, when she moved the luggage case and the skeleton fell out and, you know, rang the bell. Like, that actually was stuff that happened in the game while you were playing the game. 
she would act yeah. as like a teenager, which I thought was very cool. I saw that like Tess like scene where she has to go crawl and open the door as like a plot device for for uh, Joel and Ellie to talk. I mean, I it's definitely needed to get that background information and build that bond. And but, I think that was in the game as well, if I remember correctly. It was done a little differently, so that scene actually took place while they were still in the QZ, um, and she was and Joel were locked in the apartment building together. And when you got to the fall down buildings part, Joel was the one that went out. And I think that was where you met your first clicker, where you told them to like hide out, and then you're like down there fighting the clicker and the runners. Did you did you replay this game recently, or have you just played it so many times? So I've broken? played the game fully through, including the DLC, three times, uh, and I've watched four let's plays on it. Just because I love watching. I just thought the story was so great. <laughs> what was your favorite Let's Play of the four? Um, I actually really liked, and shout out to Chris Odd, I really thought he did a really good job with it. No free ads. No free ads. No free ads. All right, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> plug. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought he, he knew the parts that were emotionally weighted, and he, uh, he respected them. You know, like, a lot of people when Sarah died, we're like laughing, you know, or like, just like, Oh, whatever. And they kind of brushed it off as like a very minor plot point. But, you know, he took the time to really put himself into the role of Joel and what he would be thinking if he saw his daughter just get killed in front of him. I mean, I feel like that's his method acting right there. Yeah. I think he did a good job. It's very entertaining to listen to. I thought he did a really good job with it. So my rating would probably be uh, 8.4 out of 10. I liked it. It's good, but it has a lot to prove. And I don't think it's on the level of Breaking Bad. Maybe it will be. Who knows? But so far, I'm not seeing it. So if you gave that an 8.4, let's say that's on IMDb, you'd be tied with Andor. I never saw that. I've heard it's very good. It's very slow moving. Uh, I can see how this show is also slow moving, but Andor is really slow for the first four episodes. The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know how Tale. to do that with Star Wars, but that's an argument for another <laughs> day. Next up, Andor. <laughs> I also think this this uh, show is getting a huge TV boost because I feel like people are uh, dick riding uh, the what's the dick the guy that plays the main character. What's his name again? Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Everything he's in, he gets like a huge he's boost. He's on fire right now. I know. I don't. You keep looking for all these external factors. It can't just be the quality of the show itself. It's an HBO show. It's gonna be in the spotlight regardless. I feel like he's typecasted uh, at this point. He's just a dark and broody character. Uh, I don't think he's an amazing actor who has who has range. I just think he plays his typecast very well. What else was he in besides that uh, Game of Thrones scene? The Mandalorian. Narcos. I never saw the Narcos. Oh yeah, he was in Narcos. He did. He did, he did well in Narcos. Um, Kingsman. Was he? Yeah, the sequel. I don't remember the sequel too well. I liked the first Kingsman though. That was that was really good. The fact they're both from Game of Thrones is pretty funny, even though they weren't anywhere close. They didn't they didn't act together in Game of Thrones, but they both are from Game of Thrones. True. Well, my rating for the show, I'm actually gonna give it an 8.5 and put it on par with Vikings. Oh. 
Yeah, Vikings was good. It ebbed and flowed, you know. It definitely had its down season. Sure. And I think that's what we're going to get with this. I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think it's going to be. But I definitely put it higher than The Walking Dead, which is an 8.1. And this is all off IMDb. So you don't, you don't come up with your own ratings here? Well, I'm giving it an 8.5. That's my own rating. Okay. 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 Uh, I feel like the best actor or actress in the show is the Ellie Williams character. I didn't like her in the first episode. Actually, I liked her a lot in the second. But I thought the... Uh, <laughs> she didn't have much to go off of in the first episode. Yeah, she just kind of was... It was weird. To, and, like, that's something else that they don't really go into in the game. Um, but we should wrap this up. But, like, her being chained up. That, that was never mentioned in the game. And I don't really know why they kept her chained up. Because... The Fireflies were all supposed to be aware that she was immune. Yeah, but they needed to confirm it somehow. They couldn't yeah. just take it for granted. That's yeah, fair. I guess they couldn't have just said, like, oh. But <laughs> she isn't if I got bit and I was just like, I'm not infected to you, would you fucking believe me? You probably wouldn't. That's kind of what Tess did, if you think about it. Tess was like, oh, I just twisted my ankle. Let's get to the West. She wasn't going to tell them, which I thought was kind of, I don't know, very on... Test like. Yeah. How long do they normally have? Like, I was it thirty minutes? No. They had that sign, right? I think it was like what a bite to the neck was one to two hours. A bite to the extremity could go up to twelve hours, and then a bite to the chest. No, I think a bite to the chest was twelve hours, and then a bite to the legs was up. To 24 and that was uh, we didn't really talk about this and I, it's at the 41 minute mark so no one's going to listen to this part but uh, that was another scene I actually really liked when they were burning the bodies and you had the little girl come to the QZ and get tested and then like the Fedra agent was like oh yeah it's fine like you're going to be okay and they kill her and then Joel throws the body into the fire like I thought that was really cool that was a good scene yeah uh it definitely does add to the fact that he's becoming different or desensitized to the whole ordeal. Yeah, I, I thought it did a, a very good job of showing that. Um, and I, I just felt like the Q, QZ's itself, I, I kind of wish, was expanded upon a little bit more. Explored a little bit. Yeah. Like, I want to see the government explain, like, how the heck does that place work? How does it stay together? Right, I mean, in the game, you had that scene where the Federal agents go and they get that all those they round up all those people from the apartment building, uh, and they like bring them outside and they're testing them. And they're all gunpoint. So it, it's kind of what the little girl I think symbolized. But you know, uh, they're all gunpoint, and then they just start like killing them. And it's just like, oh, that's crazy. What? Well, totalitarian regimes are a staple of any good dystopian society. Yeah, my dad said yeah. uh, this is a strict socialist economy. <laughs> a strict socialist account, I would not call it. It's definitely a there you go. totalitarian <laughs> society. Jeez. That's a socialist. I was definitely not a socialist society. <laughs> Where no one's sharing anything. They're all that sharing. Was his first work. remark when he saw it. Yeah, he was like, he looked at me when he was watching. He was like, is this a socialist government? <laughs> I, like, I don't think so. I, I don't, yeah, don't want to laugh at yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I, they never really say who has the power there. It's no, just the government. I don't know how it's distributed yeah. or anything. I mean, I get like it's definitely a uh, 
was it? Um, an Umbrella Corp situation, <laughs> I feel like. Or do you think everything's just run secretly by Bezos after the apocalypse? He lives in his bunker and just... He's not running any. Yeah, he's just, he's not running anything. He's just got whatever storages he has left and living his life yeah. in seclusion. One big-ass bunker. If I had if I had enough money, just where I had enough money where I couldn't, like, where I had nothing else to do with it, I'd probably build, like, some fallout shelter. Just because well, why I not? Guess that's all <laughs> yeah, that's all that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we hope you have a good one. <laughs> we'll be back again next week, same time. You've been listening to The Tube.